Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Well, hello there and a uh, uh, wet morning to you. It's uh, November something, 7th, maybe. Um, and I don't know. I'm in a slightly more upbeat mood than I was the last few days, which ain't saying much because I was pretty far down. Um, it's just that every time I see a Republican on TV saying whatever their absurd line of attack is of the day, I, I just, my 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 heart just is ripped apart by their mendacity and cowardice. I mean, the latest, did you see Lindsey Graham? Actually, now they've dropped back since it's obvious that Trump committed, I mean, there's so much evidence that the quid pro quo exists, that, um, you know, it's a total abuse of the power of the presidency. It's a slam dunk. So the only way the Republicans can um, defend him is to not deal with the facts at all. And so now, I mean, they've gone from, well, you know, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but Lindsey Graham yesterday actually proffering this latest defense, which is, that the Trump White House is so incoherent in regards to strategy or their foreign policy or anything that they they're so incoherent that they don't have the the smarts to have been engaged in some criminal activity I don't what, he, his, his defense is now that Trump is too stupid and incoherent. I I think I think I heard that right. And um, and now with the release of uh, the testimony of um, acting ambassador uh, to the Ukraine, William Taylor, um, is is just damning. I mean, damning. Uh, I mean, he uses terms like Washington snake pit, um, nightmare. <laughs> this, well, that might actually lend some credence to Lindsey Graham's, uh, Lindsey Graham's sense of uh, the incoherence and madness of uh, of this White House. Um, when did Kiev, K-I-E-V, turn into KYIV? When did that happen? You know, all of these things sneak up on you. One day it's Bombay and the next is Mumbai. And, you know, you finally figure that out and you move on. But Kiev and now Kiev, I would, I, I don't know how it's pronounced in um, Ukrainian or Russian, Kiev. It looks the same, but how, why the transliteration has changed, I don't know, unless that's how it's spelled in Ukraine. K-Y-I-V, are you seeing that? Because K-I-E-V, kiss a goodbye, I haven't seen that spelling in some time. Uh, somewhere in the back of my head, I have this sense that the first president, see if, I mean, the, the, the crap that is in your head, um, the first president of Ukraine after the Soviet Union fell apart, somebody check on this, but I always sort of like this guy. He was high up in the Soviet Union Foreign Service, wasn't he? I'm, his name was Shevard Nazi. Does anybody remember him? Because I think then he became the first president of the newly uh, constituted uh, non-Soviet Unionized Ukraine. Edward Edward Shevardnadze. Right? Why is that 
why is he in my head? I can't name any others. Um, <clears throat> so William Taylor is going to be the first uh, witness that you're going to trot out in the public hearings, which begin next week. Because he's so, he took meticulous notes. He is somebody who even these Republicans will have a lot of difficulty tarring. It was a riot yesterday. I watched some of the cable shows for a while. And every Democrat who was on could not just say, well, uh, Ambassador Taylor. They always had to preface his name with this West Point graduate, this Vietnam veteran who served in some of the more dangerous areas of the world, this, and literally, I did not hear anybody not do that whole preface of American hero. Um, and that's where you see how, how important uh, these first impressions and branding are in, uh, in getting public opinion on your side. But for those of us who notice such things, it's, it's funny. Uh, uh, they'll trash them anyway, I, obviously. They'll find something. Um, they're, they're shameless. Shameless. I've been saying that for decades, but I really, in my own head, did not know how shameless uh, Republicans could be. Incredible. Um, <clears throat> so it looks as if these first witnesses they're trotting out are going to be pretty compelling. And we'll see if that, in fact, starts moving the needle with public opinion. That's what it has to do so that then representatives in Washington are, are getting pressure from their constituents. Let's, let's hope that this all works. Um, listen to this, though. I mean, here, listen to this Republican. Uh, this is Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Next week, she says, speaking of the public hearings, proven liar Adam Schiff should be the first witness to testify in public. Proven liar. See, this is again, they cannot defend the president without saying, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, that's a crime, but it's not really that much of a crime. Or they just can't go there. So you have to do this. You have to denigrate fellow members of, of the House and of Congress. You have to, I mean, you have to tarnish as much as possible, spread absolute falsehoods about people. It's incredible. Yeah, here's Lindsey Graham's direct quote. Uh, well, I just have one sentence here, but this is where he's saying the Trump administration is too too much in chaos to actually be able to come up with a scheme of any sort. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham told reporters when asked about Trump's Ukraine policy, quote, it was incoherent. They seem to be incapable of forming a quid pro quo. Of course, quid pro quo is as primitive and basic um, a human interaction <laughs> as there is. Um, I'll give you this if you give me that. It's sort of like, you know, before money we bartered. It's as human an interaction and really provide... I, even the Trump administration is not so out of it that they can't do a quid pro quo. That's what the art of the deal guy, that's how he sees every 
human interaction. I'll do this, you do that. Um, so anyway, there it is. I, and then they're talking about wanting to call Hunter Biden to the stand. I mean, why? What is, who's, what? Then, I mean, this is all just distract, this constant need to draw attention away from, from their president's obvious culpability. This is going to be so ugly. And we now, that poor whistleblower, whoever he is, I am sure that those who really have an incredible curiosity to know his name, now know his name because Russian media have, have published it. Uh, Don Trump Jr. has tweeted it out. Um, Senator Rand Paul is arguing for him to be outed in direct violation of the whistleblower law, and why? Everything the guy said has been substantiated by every other witness, practically, that's come before. So why? I guess they're thinking if we can somehow take this guy down and, uh, and talk to our, to our misinformed and uninformed supporters, uh, and tar him, they'll say, well, this came from blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's shameless. That's, it just, that's where you end up. Shameless. Wow. So, here we are. The Wall Street Journal is very um, unhappy about the Trump presidency right now and about um, the election results uh, yesterday or two days ago. <coughs> um, they have a whole hand-wringing editorial um, headline the anti-republican trend and they end it thusly wall street journal this is not going to make trump's day the fair judgment a year from election day in 2020 is that mr trump is highly vulnerable in his bid for a second term Trump may need Democrats to nominate an opponent whose agenda is far enough to the left to scare the suburban voters who are tired of the daily melodrama of the Trump presidency. The Wall Street Journal positing that the only way Trump wins is if Democrats give him a lefty candidate who those suburban voters will just be freaked by and will either sit things out or, in fact, think Trump is preferable. I don't know. I don't know. But you know I am worried. I talk to Democrats, even Democrats who are very politically active, some establishment, some not, and um, anyone who thinks that they know, that we know as Democrats, who our best candidate is, is nuts. We don't know. And left to the primary voters, you don't always get the best candidate. I don't know. General elections are very different than primary elections. And just as primaries often beget candidates who are not necessarily great candidates in the general election, people who know how to win elections are not necessarily people who have any of the capacities 
to do the job that they're running for. These are totally different skill sets. Anyway, the Wall Street Journal ends thusly. Senate Republicans know their majority is also at risk. They cannot win merely by turning out the Trump base. The GOP needs a strategy and agenda to regain support in the suburbs or they will lose the House, the White House, and the Senate in 2020. From their editorial page to God's ears. So there it is. The Wall Street Journal editorials scared to death that we could see a wipeout of the Republicans in 2020. An awful lot's going to happen in this year, and it's going to uh, be a trying, a trying 365 days of that, I am sure. Um, hang on a minute here, guys. Uh, um, sorry. I just, why am I um, incapable of navigating this absurd new, I've lost all my emails, <laughs> which is in other words, I've lost my show. Okay, got it. Um, Milton. Edward Shevard Nazi. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was incorrect. He was not Ukrainian. He was from Georgia. No, not a peanut farmer. I mean, uh, Georgia, which was a Soviet republic. Edvard Shevard Nadzi. Ah, he shares a birthday with my son. He was a diplomat. Right, right. Minister of Foreign Affairs. Right, under Gorbachev. I always liked him. I thought he was really smart. And... um you know, a commie you could uh, you could like. So after yeah, the Soviet Union collapsed, Shevardnadze uh, went home to now the nation of Georgia, and became its first uh, head of state. Huh. All right, all right. So who was the first president of Ukraine? Was that blonde woman with the with the braid? Was she a Ukrainian? You know that woman who was head of one of these countries too. <laughs> I I need to listen to the BBC more often. They actually cover this stuff. Um, okay. Well, thank you. Uh, here is something that will chill your uh, blood. Uh, this is being reported in the Daily Beast. I don't know. Uh, um, but it says that Trump has remained in touch with Mark Burnett, if that name doesn't ring a bell. He is the, the genius who pretty much brought uh, America. Leonid Kravichuk? Krabchuk was Ukraine's first president. Well, sorry. Leonid, I don't know. I don't know from you. So, Mark Burnett is the guy who pretty much introduced us all to uh, reality TV, which was, of course, given that this is our culture, unreality TV. It was almost like Fox News. You know, fair and balanced? I don't think so. Reality? I don't think so. So reality TV, he was the one who first brought us Survivor, um, and he brought us The 
The Apprentice. And he's the one, more than anybody else, who elevated Donald Trump to this celebrity television star with a big audience. Um, that's the last job Trump had that he liked. He would much prefer doing that again. And what the Daily Beast is reporting, and please, dear God, tell me it's wrong, although it makes perfect sense, that the two have actually talked, traded ideas about shows they could do after Trump leaves office. And yes, they have had discussions about The Apprentice, colon, White House, Um, that's scary. Burnett, by the way, is the guy who has access to all kinds of damning information and video and audio on Trump. All the, all the outtakes from The Apprentice, because it's not a reality show, it is pasted together to create a reality that is entertaining. And it is how Trump now, of course, runs the entire operation of the government as, you know, the United States of America reality show. Now, we are all just little players in it. Uh, he has guarded all that stuff that could certainly help to take Trump down. Um, I don't know. And as I have said, there's no getting rid of Donald Trump, uh, save uh, the Grim, Grim Reaper, because if he's breathing, he will need to be the center of attention. So he doesn't have to be president to do that, and also with the obvious complicity of our media who, you know, follow train wrecks and know he's a ratings getter. Um I don't know. I mean, there's been talk about him creating his own network. Uh, that I can see happen. Uh, one person who's close to Burnett, who, by the way, is current, uh, who's currently the chairman of MGM Worldwide Television Group, says that Burnett would be motivated by only one thing in his continuing relationship with Trump, and that's money. The person said Mark has only one religion, and that's money. Well, he's a good American then. Proud of him. Proud of him. Oh, God. Okay, so now I have to get to this because I don't know who the hell this guy is, but dear Lord, is a rap star? T-I, initials, T-I. Uh, the Washington Post reported this story, but it's all over. The Twitter sphere is going insane about it. Planned Parenthood has actually responded uh, to this article. And um, this guy, this rapper, whose real name is Clifford Joseph Harris Jr., was on a podcast. Two women have a podcast called Ladies Like Us. And uh, they're talking to him about his daughters. He has an 18-year-old daughter who has just begun her first year at college. And here's what her father said on this podcast. Right after her birthday, we celebrate. Then usually, like the day after the party, she's enjoying the gifts. I put a sticky note on her door. Tomorrow, 9.30. And what that means is tomorrow at 
I'm taking you to the gynecologist to, and here's what he said, to check her hymen. He said he began this routine after her 16th birthday, making sure that his daughter's hymen, which for those of you who don't know, is this very thin membrane uh, at the opening of the vagina. And the idea is that, of course, if her hymen is not intact, then she's had sex. She is despoiled. She has dishonored him and has little value. Um, this guy, this rapper, said that his daughter's doctor requires her, the daughter, to sign a waiver allowing him to see the results of her examination because the HIPAA Act, she's 18, would not allow him to do that. So here's this guy on this podcast, two women's podcast, and they're laughing at this stuff. They're not. He says, so we'll go and sit down and the doctor will come and talk and the doctor's maintaining a high level of professionalism. He's like, well, you know, sir, I have to uh, share information. I'm, I'm like, hey, he says to his daughter, they want you to sign this so we can share information. Is there anything you would not want me to know? See, Doc? Ain't no problem. Here's the reality. And the, the doctor apparently told him, and he said this. The doctor said to him, you know, your daughter's hymen could be uh, broken or stretched uh, from just living, from uh, riding a bike, from riding a horse, from some other physical activity. And here's the rapper. I say, look, Doc, she don't ride no horses. She don't ride no bikes. She don't play no sports, man. Just check the hymen, please, and give me back my results expeditiously. And then he tells these two women, I will say, as of her 18th birthday, her hymen is still intact. I mean, on so many levels, I don't even know where to begin with this. How dare he subject his daughter to this now viral story that centers on her vagina? and his control of her vagina. Unbelievable. People who think that a hymen tells you whether or not somebody's been sexually active are idiots. You can have an intact hymen and be sexually active. You can have a not intact hymen and not be. It is not an indicator of virginity. Planned Parenthood, as I said, responded to this. in a series of tweets and said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but virginity is a made-up social construct and it has absolutely nothing to do with your hymen. You cannot tell if someone has had sex by the way their hymen looks. Thank you very much. The United Nations uh, issued a global call to ban virginity testing. They called the procedure, as it is done in at least 20 countries, 
quote, medically unnecessary, sometimes painful, humiliating, and traumatic. It is inhumane and has no scientific or clinical basis. In fact, the term virginity is not a scientific term. It is also not a medical term. It is, as Planned Parenthood said, a social construct. Virginity is a social, cultural, and religious, I mean, within those constructs, virginity has meaning. And what that meaning is, is that women and girls need to be controlled. The World Health Organization recommends that this test should not be performed under any circumstances. The, I am so sick of these effing men and that this guy would trot his daughter out like that. That poor girl. Right after her birthday, we celebrate. Then usually, like the day after, she's enjoying the gifts. I put a sticky note on the door. Tomorrow, 9.30. People's capacity for ignorance and people's capacity for cruelty and people's capacity for control are often just breathtaking to me. Truly breathtaking. <laughs> Milton. He's got, he's got all the Ukrainian president. My God, they've been through a lot. Well, no wonder it's all... Yashenko, I remember, wasn't he the one who was, uh, didn't the Russians try to kill him? And he had like that, now I could be getting this one wrong too, but didn't they, he came after the one that Amy came up with, Viktor Yashenko. And I thought that that's the one that they um, tried to poison. And so he had like his skin got really bizarre. Do you remember that? Um, man, they've had some doozies. I mean, and the guy they got now is, is, a, is, a, is a, an actor on a sitcom. Zelenki. Incredible. Okay, um, okay, and while we're on, oh, wait, I, I, this I meant to get in yesterday and then things got away from me. Um, I want to, you know, you, not that any of this is surprising. Um, we know that uh, the Trump campaign and Trump regularly go to cities and uh, causing those cities to be... Um, you know, it'd have to bring cops out on overtime and all kinds of security arrangements and closing down of schools, which happened the last time he came here. Um, it's disruptive. But, you know, president's got to travel sometimes, so. Um, but Trump has never reimbursed a city for these costs. I mean, he owes, he'll go into a grieving city like El Paso. And he'd already been there for some other thing before they had a massacre. And he had never paid them for the costs of that that they had incurred. Then they have a massacre, so he goes down, of course. And now, I mean, 
it's like over a million dollars or something that El Paso is out because of Trump's need for self-aggrandizement. But here's something that I didn't know. The Trump campaign regularly has contests in which they tell the donor, you give us, again, quid pro quo. Here's Trump, who does nothing but quid pro quo. You give me some money, and you have the chance of winning breakfast, lunch, or even dinner with President Trump. Wow. They have done this over 15 times. Have held these contests. Some journalists trying to do a story um, on some of the winners of the contest say, you know, that'd be a great story. So you had breakfast with the president or you had dinner with the president? Where'd you go? What'd you talk about? What was that like? I mean, that's a great story. Regular people. Guess what? There was no evidence uncovered that any person had ever won any of these contests. There are no winners, except Donald Trump, who has their money. There are no winners. He never went to breakfast, lunch, dinner, brunch, snacks, anything with anybody. Scam. Shock, huh? Shocking. He's just a crook. He is just a crook. Okay, a lot of stories of late about Elizabeth Warren. And man, the guys are coming after her. The money guys, the money guys. She's scaring them a little bit with her wealth tax and her this, that, and the other thing and her plans. And so have you noticed, or is it just me, that she is now often portrayed as angry, antagonistic, elitist, which is something Biden is throwing at her now. But I have to tell you, when they start calling a woman candidate angry, that is sexism. Because you don't... Although Bernie gets called angry, but he is. <laughs> I mean, Bernie's always shouting. I mean, he's just always, rah, rah, rah. he's literally the, you know, the angry old guy in the neighborhood screaming at kids to get off his lawn. I mean, that is how he presents. But to call a woman angry, actually to call any minority, and women are not a minority, but have minority status. Remember Barack Obama? Was he allowed to be angry? No. Uh-uh. Black people can't be angry. It scares the white people. Women cannot be angry. It scares the guys and is off-putting to the guys and a lot of other women. Women are constrained to be it, certain emotions, and anger is not one of them. It's not pleasing. Um, Buttigieg is toying with it a little bit because he's going after her. And um, I don't know. He has said about her, she is so absorbed in the fighting that it is as though fighting were the purpose. And Biden said this week, that Warren reflects an angry, unyielding, oh, you know, see, women cannot be called either of those things, 
angry, unyielding viewpoint. And look, there's no doubt that you label a woman, uh, any of those things, angry, shill, emotional, blah, blah, blah. Um, That has always been used to attack women who dare to run for high office. It also, of course, can be effective in that it just makes them less likable. And, you know, you can do study after study after study after study, and people react negatively. We've been, we've been built to react negatively if a woman is seen as angry, ambitious, fighting, what was the one Buttigieg used, un, or Biden, unpliable, um, what, whatever, you know, <laughs> impenetrable, I don't know, I, it's just, uh, it, it's just the same caricatures, stereotypes that have uh, always been used, you used on Hillary Clinton as well, and, um, This misogyny, I, I don't, I, I don't know how much it does impact uh, the vote, but the odds are that a woman is handicapped by her gender, that a black woman is handicapped by her gender and her race. I don't know, but boy, the, they're coming. They're coming after her. I don't know. And there again, I don't even know. You know, my impression of Warren is that she's tough, and which is what you'd want in a president, right? You don't want a milk toast. You want tough. But in terms of her people and how she presents herself, I mean, I'm always seeing her. What, she's the one who takes 7,000 selfies after every public appearance? She's the one who's always smiling and got her arms around people? I don't know. I don't know. But this will be, um, watch it, watch it. it. It Just as, you know, the article on Amy Klobuchar being, you know, mean to her to her staff uh, that is an article that would never have been written about a man ever so a man can be passionate and fiery and strong and a woman is just angry and shrill oh so sick of it you know, that National Geographic uh, magazine that is all about women, which is out this month, one of the things that blew me away was how many countries in the world have already elected a woman as their head of state. It's huge. And it's all over the place. It's in Muslim countries. It's in Africa. South America. Obviously Europe. Even Asia. And my God. (coughs) The United States of America? Can't quite do it. Can't quite do it. So if you think for a minute that this country is a leader in terms of women's ability to rise to the level of their competence, um, again, you better travel some more or read some history. Other countries have had this conversation, can a woman have had those conversations decades ago. Even in societies 
where women, by all I, I, by all appearances, are constrained more than they are in our country. It's boy. A lot of angry women around right now, and there's reason why. There's a reason why. I love that Jefferson, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions is going to run for the Senate. Trump does not, apparently, according to, um, what's her name, what's her name, what's her name, New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman, uh, the White House has warned Sessions, don't do it. He's going to do it. He's going to announce today that he wants his old seat back. He gave that seat up so he could be the Attorney General to Donald Trump, and that didn't go real well. And in fact, Trump treated him with such uh, cruelty and disdain that eventually I almost felt sorry for Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. I, and now I'm rooting for him. I am. So by all accounts, the guy who the Republicans were going to have to be dealing with for that Senate race down there in Alabama was, and you'll recognize the name, former uh, Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, Roy Moore, ladies and gentlemen. God! You know, the one who liked little girls. And the fact is, he could be the nominee. So you'll have Sessions... And uh, and Moore in a, a primary race? Unbelievable. And uh, Trump is apoplectic. I don't know how these columnists do it day after day after day because... You know, what's there left to say? Haven't we said all this stuff before? So they keep they just keep rewriting the same column. How many times can you say how awful Donald Trump is? How many times can you just write the list of the horrors he has perpetrated on this country and the world? And Nicholas Kristof today writes one of those columns about how we're supposed to resist normalizing what is so not normal but has become the new normal. And how do you... It's a classic thing of we're all like the frog in, uh, in the beaker that has a burner on under it. You know, the water just warms up slowly enough that you keep acclimating, right? It's what humans do. We acclimate. Oh, well, okay. Just like, you know, Mumbai became replaced Bombay. We acclimate. Kiev replaces Kiev. I Okay, I acclimate. And we, for, we do forget that things Trump does ten times a day would have had us swooning three years ago. The president said what? Did what? Christoph says he talks to people around the world a lot and, 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 you know, to a person. They are so freaked that the United States has come to this. And he quotes one as saying what I've said ad nauseum. He quotes one senior European official saying, if Trump isn't a Manchurian candidate, he's doing a pretty good imitation of one. Yeah. We, by the way, have not secured our uh, 
our electoral system. We got a year till the election. You think the Russians aren't busy? They are. Do you remember what passed for a scandal when Barack Obama was president? Because Christoph reminds us. He wore a tan suit. Do you remember that? He never wore that tan suit again, I'll tell you that. Because it was an outraged, absolute outrage. No one went to jail. Christoph says, my God. This is a guy we have as president who pledged to fight corruption and drain the swamp. And in the three years he's been in office, he has lost more first-term cabinet members to scandal than any American president in history. And he ain't even done yet. Trump, before the election, said, I'm not going to have time to go play golf. He has played golf approximately 224 times since taking office, including more than three months in total at Mar-a-Lago. All of these trips have cost the U.S. Treasury over $100 million. This is the guy, you know, he's just talking, he starts, yeah. Remember when he tried to buy Greenland? Remember when he bragged about marching into women's changing rooms to admire undressed teenagers? Remember when he borrows language from Stalin and Hitler, calling the press the enemy of the people? Remember when he said that climate change was a Chinese hoax? And it has nothing to do with the horrors of putting children in cages, ripping them from their parents' arms. American Americans aged 1 through 19, okay? 1 through 19 are 57% more likely to die than those in other advanced countries of this world. And that is largely because we are virtually alone in failing to provide universal health coverage to our people. Now that was pre-Trump, but he has exacerbated it, made it worse, and the number of uninsured children has increased steadily under Trump. You know, but these, how do they write these things? Uh, I mean, it just, yeah, tell us something we don't know, but I, I do agree that the, um, the impulse to just tune out And maybe what the Democrats have going for them more than anything else is that I think the average American is exhausted. And you can trace the exhaustion to Donald Trump. So that might be the secret weapon that the Democrats have. I don't know. Sorry, I just got I just got a message from my car dealership which I don't like. Damn. God. I got a flat tire the other day and this flat tire is turning into the biggest pain in the neck um in history. Jesus. So, what do we got here? I got nothing. 
Let's see. I am uh, unhappy that um, District Attorney Zapala will have four more years. I am because I think we desperately needed a new direction. And um, here's the reality. The inmate population at the Allegheny County Jail is 70% higher than it was 20 years ago. That is all Zapala's tenure. And so in areas where everyone, every all forward-looking uh, jurisdictions are trying to pull those numbers down, this is why progressives and people who understood the importance and the power of a district attorney uh, making different choices. Zapala is just a throw them in and toss away the key. 70% higher, and that's all during his tenure, that increase. That's not good. And here, to put it in a little more perspective, is 81% of the inmates in the Riverside Allegheny County Jail have not even been convicted of the offenses that they were arrested for. It's like this big frigging holding pen for poor and black people. And we lost a great opportunity to have someone at the helm who could start to turn that around, as other, more progressive cities have done. I give you Philadelphia, I give you New York, I give you Boston. Oh, Brian, I know you're right, but Brian says, Lynn, the United States did elect a woman president. If we had a reasonable, coherent system like other nations of the world, uh, Hillary Clinton would be president. There's no doubt about it. She got three million more votes. Al Gore got more votes. This country has not elected a Republican president in a long, long time. The Electoral College has. That is such a huge structural problem. It's just huge. The fact is, is that our system is not structured to reflect the will of the people. The people said they preferred Hillary Clinton to Donald Trump. We got Donald Trump. The people said they preferred Al Gore to George W. Bush. We got Al, we got, <laughs> excuse me, George W. Bush. It's about all Republicans have going for them. The system is rigged <laughs> in their favor. All right. Damn. All right, I got to go tend to my damn car. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. It's apparently going to be cold, but 
it is November. That's all I have to say. I hope to find my better angels and my better mood in the ensuing uh, time. See, I can't even think anymore. I am, I, guys, you're looking at a decrepit woman. That's how I feel. Anyway, have a great one. Have a good one. See ya. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.